Muy buenos días y que Dios les bendiga. I'm, I'm not going to preach in Spanish, but I wanted to scare some of you. <laughs> Although you do need to learn Spanish because we are going to speak it in heaven, so you better be ready. <laughs> yeah, don't be surprised when you get there and it's all in Spanish, right? Um, yeah, I want you to say with me, Dios es bueno. See, you just said God is good. And yes, he is. We were just singing about that. I get the privilege and blessing to bring the message to you today, the Word of God and the book of Titus. We started last week with the book of Titus. We're going to go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. It's not a very long book, so it's only going to take us six weeks to get through the whole book. Uh, but it's very profound. It has a, a, lot of, a lot of meat in this tiny little book. And so today we're going to focus on verses 5 through um, 9. And we're going to see that uh, today's word has to do with authority and it has to do with order in the middle of chaos, in the middle of our lives, in the middle of our church. God wants some authority and some order in there. In fact, you know, we all need order in our lives. We, we need order in our families. We need order in our church. We need order. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. There's a lot of chaos and we need order. And, and many times, oftentimes, we're going to need people to help us get to that place of order. People that have uh, authority and that help us get to that place of order. We, we need those people in our lives. And, you know, imagine if, if you're a parent, if you have a family with children, imagine if the children were in charge of how you're going to spend all the time. If they were in charge of the menu for every meal. Imagine if the children were in charge of your finances and how you spend the money. If they were in charge of the TV schedule. Right? It would be quite complicated. That's why God has placed parents in that home to be the authority over the children. And to guide them into order. Tonight, the Cowboys are going to face the 49ers. Yeah, and, and, and these two teams are going to go at each other. Each of them have a different goal, so it's going to be clashing every minute. You see, if there was no order in that field, it would be complete chaos. But, but the commissioner upstairs has empowered these men who are a third team, and they are the, official, the, uh, the officials, and they get to be on that field, and they have authority. They have been given a book to use it with authority. And see, the man on the field, the, these players are faster, stronger, and meaner, and bigger than the referees, but the referees have authority. They have yellow cards, I mean yellow flags. <laughs> I'm, see, I, I'm thinking of soccer, you know. But, but they have yellow flags, and they have whistles, and they have a book to go by that they have been given in order to exercise their authority on the field. Because the presence of authority helps with the chaos and it helps to bring order. When I drive down the highway or the freeway, usually I drive a lot better when the police patrol is driving next to me. Because the presence of authority makes such an impact in us. And I think the same goes with our lives and with the church of Jesus Christ That, that God uh, wants the presence of authority in his church. He has placed some people 
of leadership, spiritual leadership, so that they would take us to a place of order, so that they would model for us what it looks like when we have order. You saw last week, we began talking about how Titus was sent by Paul to Crete because it was a need for order at that church. It was a little bit chaotic. And so Paul says, okay, Timothy, you're going to go over there. And you know, the first thing he says is, you're going to need faith and you're going to need teaching. You're going to need to give people the gospel because that's what's going to change people. That's what's going to make people be able to begin living a godly life that in, that in turn is going to produce hope and is going to produce peace, which is what they're after. And so here goes Timothy, uh, T- Titus over there to do his work as a pastor. But the next thing that Paul says to Titus in the next verse is, is you're going to need some leaders. You're going to need some people that you're going to give authority to that are going to help you take this church to a place of order. And we're going to see it here in the next verse. Verse 5, we're going to begin reading. Let's read 5 and 6. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and do not open the charge and do and not open to the charge of debauchery and insubordination. So right away Paul is saying you're going to need some leaders, you're going to need some people that are going to help you bring that order and then he begins telling uh, Titus what kind of leaders they should be. What do these leaders should look like? And here's some qualifications of leaders and he begins by saying that they are above reproach. These are people that are above reproach. And man, when I think of that, you think, well, that's a high standard. How can imperfect people, because this, this is what we are, you know, even leaders are, are sinners, imperfect people. How can imperfect people be above reproach? I, I think we, it's important that we uh, understand and clarify that God is not expecting perfect leaders. There is no such thing. As long as we live on this planet, as long as we are on earth, we are in a broken world and we are sinners and we are not perfect. I think that when he says above reproach, it's not so much about the perfection of the leader as as much as to the perception of those who are being led. That they see in you someone who is pursuing above reproach. People can... Accept a leader that is not perfect when the leader is humble, when the leader recognizes his mistakes, when the leader is vulnerable and says, hey, I'm on the same boat. God is still working in me. People can accept a humble leader. And so what Paul is saying is, look, leaders, this is what they need to be shooting for. This is where we aim. This is what we want leaders to be. And of course, you see, what, what Paul is doing is he's saying God wants to hold leaders to a high standard. In a little bit, we're going to see the reason for that is because they are to be leaders by example. What God wants from all of us is the same he wants from leaders, but they are supposed to lead by example. And so here's the list of things that the leader should be and even not be. And he begins by talking about the family. He says, this is a husband of one wife. And it doesn't mean that the leaders in the church or spiritual leaders have to be married Because Paul himself wasn't married. Titus wasn't married. What he's saying is that if you're married, 
then you should be faithful. You should be investing in your marriage. You should, you should be pursuing a healthy marriage relationship if you are in the leadership. And again, Paul is talking to leaders in the church, not, not just necessarily to uh, Titus, the, 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 the lead pastor, but even leaders like, like we call here shepherds, people who have been given a responsibility to lead others. And he says, be, should be somebody who is living or pursuing a healthy marriage. And he goes on to talk about the children. He says the children must be believers. And this, this is a very uh, uh, important word that I think needs a little interpretation because um, believers means believers, but also the word that Paul used in here, which is the word pista in Greek, is, is a word that has two meanings. It could mean believer, but it also can mean faithful. So I believe he's saying the children of the spiritual leader should be faithful. And the reason, the reason why I'm saying this, a lot of theologians agree with me, but also when you look at, at the meaning of this word, being faithful, uh, you know, a leader cannot control what's in the heart of his children and whether they believe or submit to the Lordship of Christ. But a leader can instill in his children respect and authority so that they are faithful to the parents. And, and also, when, when you look at the passage, Paul, he, he says the word pista, which is translated here as believers, but other translations would say faithful. In fact, there might be a little note on your Bible with a little number or letter, and it says the alternate to this is faithful. Because immediately he gives a description of what that word, what he's meaning with this word. He says, the children are believers or faithful and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. Debauchery is the big Sunday word. It means decadent behavior, right? And he's saying the, the, the children of the leader should be people that are not given to decadent behavior, that are, that are submissive, that are not people who are insubordinated, that are not disobedient. Basically, he's saying, look, if you're a man and you have a family, they should respect you. You should have authority over your family. In fact, there's another place in the scripture where Paul talks about the same topic. And I think it helps us understand why I believe it means faithful. In First Timothy chapter um, 3, beginning in verse 4. And listen to how Paul says it. He's talking again about the leaders in the church, the spiritual leaders, and he's talking about how they should manage the household. And he says, He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? So what Paul is saying here, you know, it's going to be really hard for someone to have the respect of the church if they don't even have the respect of their own family. You know, if, if, the, if, if the standard was you have to have perfect children, then nobody can be a leader. Nobody can. Because nobody is perfect. Nobody's a perfect father and mother. Nobody has perfect children. But, but what, what Paul is meaning here, these leaders, spiritual leaders, they aim to teach their children respect. And they earn their respect. And, and there is some control and authority and order in their family because because they're going to use the same skill in the church 
You, you demonstrate at home that you're capable of doing with a few what God wants to entrust you to do with a lot more. And I think that's what Paul is trying to mean when he says that the children should be believers or faithful. Now, after that, then he begins to give a list of things. And he's going to go to verse 7, and he's going to talk about what leaders should not be like. And this is something that Paul does many times. You know, he'll go and he'll say, you should not be this, this, this. And then he'll come back and say, you should be this, this, this instead. And so we're going to see that list that's the list of no's. The list of no's begins in verse 7. And it goes like this. For an overseer, again, he's talking about the leaders. As, God, as God's steward, he must be above reproach. We already heard that. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. So here's the list of the things that you should not see in a spiritual leader. There are people that God has placed in your life to be spiritual leaders. And if you see some of these things in their life, that's a red flag. You should be concerned or worried if this is something you continuously see in your leader and there's never any improvement. He talks about being arrogant. A spiritual leader should not be arrogant. An arrogant leader is always praising himself. Look at me, how good I am. Look how much I know. Please applaud me. Okay? That's the arrogant. No, people get bored with an arrogant leader really fast. It gets, it gets tired. One can get tired real easy of an arrogant leader. And so Paul is saying the spiritual leader is not, is not an arrogant person. It's not. It's pursuing to be the opposite of that. It's not quick-tempered. Right? Uh, where I grew up, they call them church-fused. A person who easily loses their temper, loses control, and immediately is angry and mad and lets that loose. That's not a quality of a spiritual leader. And again, I'm not saying that leaders sometimes don't lose their temper. What I'm saying is they always aim not to be that person. Then he goes on to say, drunkard. People who are given to either substances or to losing control, who allow themselves to not be in control, to allow themselves to uh, all kinds of vices or addictions. That shouldn't be the quality of a leader that's a spiritual leader in your life. A violent person should not be your spiritual leader. Even go says a greedy person, someone who's looking to gain from others. You know, that shouldn't be a spiritual leader, shouldn't be someone who's trying to take advantage of other people, who's trying to gain stuff from it. I think, I think the opposite of that, as we're going to see in the other list, is that it should be someone who gives to others, who gives themselves to others. So here, here's that list of the no's. And then he's going to go in verse 8, and he's going give, to give us the list of the yes. He, he's going to tell us. You know, this is what leaders should look like. And again, I think it's important we know this. Because, like I said, you're going to have spiritual leaders in your life, and, and, you, and you need to scan them. You need to, you know, pay attention. What's going on here? I'm looking at someone that I want to imitate because they're imitating Christ. And so here's the list of yeses. Verse 8. But hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, Holy and disciplined. Pretty much it's like, it's like the, the opposite of the first list. 
Instead of arrogant, this is a person who is hospital, who, who gives himself to others, who opens his home to others, who takes care of others, who looks after other people instead of looking after himself. The next thing is lover of good. Someone who pursues what is good instead of being someone who is quick-tempered. Instead of being someone who's drunker, it says self-controlled. People who are able to exercise control over the emotions, over their feelings, over their impulses, over their language. A lover of good and someone who has also self-control. This is a quality of a spiritual leader. Upright. People who stand for what is just, for what is right. Holy. And this is one that sometimes people get confused because holy doesn't mean that it's perfect. Holy doesn't mean that this person has completely no sin, completely perfect. The word holy means set apart. This person has been set apart for a purpose. They're not perfect in the way they do it, but they're set apart. And they aim to be, continue to be set apart. They focus on, on this. They're not focusing on feeding themselves in, about, uh, from other people or taking advantage of other people or, or ga gaining something, but they're focusing on what they have been called to do and to be set apart for a purpose. And it finishes by saying disciplined. People who discipline themselves to spend time with the Lord, discipline themselves to pray, discipline themselves to seek the Lord, to, to read His Word, who discipline themselves to grow spiritually. These are the qualities of a leader. And this is what God wants from all of us. You know, when, when you look at this, some of you who are leaders of groups here, maybe you lead a D group or a community group or, or another group, and, and you're thinking, wait a minute, I, I, I didn't sign up for all of that. Or, or you're thinking, that's a really hard list to, to, to fulfill. Let me go back and remind you again, God knows you're not perfect. God knows you're not a sinner. See, the only way you can even accomplish what's on this list is if you depend on God himself. Is if you depend on Jesus. You see, that's why Jesus took our place because he was for us where we could not be ourselves. The answer is right there on the next verse. It says, verse 9, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may, he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. That is the key and the secret. A leader who is a spiritual leader is holding on to the trustworthy word, to the trustworthy teaching of the gospel. This is where the leader finds the cure to all his imperfection. This is where the leader grows. We saw last week that, you know, we, we, we combine our faith with our knowledge and we begin to put that into practice and that produces in us godliness. And that's exactly what the leader should be doing in order to pursue to be what Paul is saying here that the leader should be. And so, don't be discouraged by this list. This list is just to remind us that, yeah, yeah, we, we will be held to a higher standard. But God is saying, you don't have to do this alone. Hold on to my word. 
Hold on to my trustworthy word. And I can do this in you. Because when that happens, when God begins to work in you, then, then the result of that is the authority. You said right there in that verse 9, it said that, that once this happens, you hold on to that trustworthy word of God, then, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. When you went through the fire and God did stuff in you and God brought you out of what you were in, then you have the authority to tell other people, look, God did it with me. He can do it with you. Look at my scars. Look at my bruises. I went through that. And if God did it with me, he can do it with you. Because again, I'm going to go back to where I say at the beginning, a leader should be humble to be able to show his scars and to be able to say, look, don't, don't follow me. Follow the one I follow. That's what we have to see in leaders. And I, I know, you know, when we look at all of this, we go, wow, that's great. That's fantastic. And I'm so glad I'm not a leader. <laughs> right? But, but, but what, what I want you to know is that this list is not just for leaders. Like you saw, the leaders are called to the standard because they're supposed to model for us what God wants from us anyways. In fact, I, I, I dare to say that God is preparing some of you to get there so that eventually you become a leader of others. So that he can use you for his purposes. Because this is what God wants for all of us. If you go to Galatians chapter 5, the famous passage of the fruit of the Spirit, then you're going to see that these qualifications, these, these fruit these things that God wants to produce, and it's not just in the leaders, but it's in us too. You're going to see a very similar list, which is the fruit of the Spirit in those who are believers. Not just leaders, but believers. That's us, church. That is us. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And again, such things there is no law. I think Paul gave the believers even a longer list than he gave the leaders. But, but God pleases and chooses to choose some people and call them to lead, to lead by example so that he can use them to bring some order into the chaos. And, and I think we are so blessed that you know, in the last few weeks, many leaders, many people have rose and said, I, I want to lead. I want to be a leader. I want to be someone who models for other people. I, don't be someone who, I want to be someone who walks with other people and encourages them. And so, you know, there's several things that I think we need to do with this truth today. First of all, I want to say to you that this is what God wants for you, not just for leaders. God's, God wants to produce fruit in you that is good. Through his spirit in you, through his word in you, he wants to produce fruit in you that is good, that looks like just like what he wants these leaders to look like. And the beginning of that is the leader of leaders. It's when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you say, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need you to come into my life because he did for you what you cannot do for yourself. He was perfect in your place so you don't have to be. So you can trust him with your life. You can let him be the leader 
And he's going to bring other people in your life to help with that role of leadership, to guide you into the order that he wants to bring into your life. So I think that's number one right there. Some of you here are desperately in need of order in your life. Some of you heard that list, love, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, and you thought, man, I need that. Well, I'm here to tell you that God is giving it out for free. He's just saying, come to me. Let me be your leader. Let my son Jesus be your Lord. Let's begin with that. Now, some of you also uh, are leaders. God has placed some leaders here. And maybe God is reminding you, hey, I got a standard for you. I want you to come closer to me. I want to work in you so that you can continue to lead others. Maybe God is just saying, come on, walk with me. Stay close. I do want to touch back on the message from a few Sundays ago. There are leaders around you that God has placed here, but it's up to you to allow yourself to be led and shepherded. Because we do need people of authority in our life that will preach to us when we don't want to hear it. We need that. And that's why God asked for it. But I also want to invite some of you have been in the faith for a while and you've been growing and God has been doing great things in your life. And God may be saying, look, I've been doing this in you because I want you to be a leader of others. I want to raise you so that you can disciple other people, so that you can invest in other people. And I think that this invitation is also for you. This might be the time where you say, God, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to strive to be that leader. I'm going to let you work in my life so I can be who you call me to be, so I can lead others. And he won't. He won't let you by yourself. He won't let you down. He'll be there for you. I know that. And now some of you may be here and there's just so much chaos in your life, you don't know where to start. And you just need someone to pray for you today. Maybe you're saying, I, can a leader pray for me? Can somebody pray over me and, and pray that, that God will give me light in this chaos, in, in this situation, in this problem, in this sickness? And so in a minute, we're going to have pastors and leaders and shepherds up here ready to pray with you, pray for you, intercede on your behalf to the leader of leaders, to the king of kings. And so... As we sing here in a minute, you're going to have a chance to respond. And some of you need to come here and make Jesus the leader of your life, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings of your life. And some of you need to just come closer and say, God, keep shaping me because I want to lead right. Or maybe some of you need to answer the call and say, okay, God, I won't run from you anymore. I'll lead even though I'm not perfect. Or maybe you just need one of us to pray for you and ask God to bring order into your chaos. However it is you need to respond, this is going to be the time. Would you please stand?